You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest Battle of Swire podcast. I guess these are the uh, mini episodes we're doing. Football edition here as we're going to attempt, I stress attempt, to talk to every non-conference opponent, FBS, FCS, sorry, folks, Portland State, uh, whoever, whoever else the league has played. We're not talking about you guys, but check us out MWR.com. Jeremy Moss here, obviously, each and every time. And this week we're talking Boise State against UConn Huskies. Is that correct? And we are joined by a good friend, former – I used to hang out and uh, scribe about Nevada Wolfpack. We have uh, – Daniel Connolly over at the theyukonblog.com. So how are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you doing? Doing well. So should we just go go pack and talk in Nevada hoops again, or what, what are we doing here? I I missed covering <laughs> Nevada. I don't miss being up until like 1 o'clock covering a game, but like I, I do miss the my people of Reno. Here's the thing, man. Now that they're good this year, because you were during sort of the uh, not the best times. I did it uh, Polian's like – uh, the entire Bill Polian era was six and six, but I did it towards the end of the Polian era, but not the end end. And then I did David. Was it David? It's not David Cox. Uh, Rice, not David Rice. David Carter. David Carter. Was that the co- was that the coach at that time? I'm pretty sure. I'm yeah. I think I was there. I covered him getting fired Good. and the very start of the Muscleman era. Shirtless must man. Hashtag it. Oh God. <laughs> I, I miss him. Well, He's like 5'2", 185. Amazing. <laughs> Whatever uh, he is. But we'll, we'll, maybe something will happen down there. Maybe UConn Hoops will play Nevada Hoops at some point, and then we'll just have to chat about that because that would be pretty good too. But we're oh, talking God, football. I hope so. Hey, they can't do worse than Cincinnati, right? Well, actually, the women played each other last year. Oh, Gabby right. Williams' homecoming game. That's right. Don't they play again this year? Was it two games or was it the one game? No, it was just the one game in Reno for Gabby Williams' homecoming, unfortunately. Nevada's going to be a good program after watching them, though. They should be. Both teams should be pretty good. Top 10 hoops, hopefully. A women's, uh, you cover women's hoops more than me, but they should think they should be okay. But yeah, I'll leave it up to other people who cover that more closely than making up stuff because <laughs> I don't want to make up stuff that's not like a dummy. But we're talking football, so that's what we do here typically. Boy State takes on UConn. Um, we talked before your confidence level because you have Randy Etzel back who left his dream job to come back to UConn. So, <laughs> yep. Well, he, he didn't leave his dream job. Well, I, he, got, I he got kicked out. <laughs> well, 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 I was trying to be nice. <laughs> Relieved of yeah. duties. Is that what we're going to say? Yeah. Got fired after basically doing what Maryland football does is, which was what, like five and seven spent a year in Detroit as an analyst of some sort. And he said he wasn't going to come back to coaching as a head coach it, unless it was at UConn. And the the great era of UConn football, known as the Bob Diaco era, ended very quickly. And there were kind of some rumors that came out like, oh, maybe they'll go to Edsel. And let me tell you, when those came out, I <laughs> thought that would be the worst thing possible. I thought it was a terrible idea. Then it actually happened. And I've actually warmed up to it. I think it's a I, I think it's been a pretty good move, but it's still hard to tell after one year. 
Sure. It's also kind of funny. I'll come back and coach anywhere, nowhere except UConn. That's a statement nobody's going to hear. So <laughs> no, <laughs> no coach in the history of college football is ever going to make that statement. But somewhat unrelated, fun fact, um, apparently uh, – crap. I'm, now I don't trust myself with this fact. Apparently Bill Belichick applied to be UConn football's coach back in the 90s at some point, and they went with someone else. Was it after he got fired from the Browns? I think it was before that, but now I really just need to check that because I don't trust myself right let's, now. Let's check on the flyer quick. I really want to know. Did we yeah, know this? 80s, Bill Belichick applied for a job, job in the job. Yep, the com. Is that legit? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just it's a message board. Uh, the Boneyard is, uh, let's just call it a special place. <laughs> but yes, I... Um, I've heard that before. So it does yeah, say here was. on an interview back on WEEI, the big show in 2012, December 3rd, they asked if he had ever considered coaching college and said he, when he was DC with the Giants, he applied to be the UConn coach. Uh, but it was Tom Jackson chosen over him. So yeah, and not the Tom Jackson that everyone knows in college football. Some other random guy. Not also not um, the primetime guy, Chris Berman, or is that somebody else yeah. I'm thinking of? Is that same Tom Jackson, same name? Namesake? Yeah, that's who I'm thinking of. Okay, yeah. One of the best TV shows ever until NBC screwed it and took it away from them. Oh, yep. Yep. Prime time. All right, let's get to the full. Here we go. Let's get, actually, get the topic <laughs> right ahead. So here's the thing. Edsel coming back, it's like it's not a bad move. We, you know that because he led them from FCS to FBS and did pretty good things. And so with this team, because Boise State, they're projected to be Nemin UCF to the, basically to represent – the uh, lovely group of five at the what what bowl is it this year? Do you even know? Is it even a slot position at the moment? Solidified. I mean, the only reason I would have to know that is if UConn would even have an outside <laughs> shot, and I'm not even really convinced we're going to get anywhere near a bowl in general. So, All right. I big money tell bowl you. game. We'll just say I always read because the semis change with the Rose Bowl and stuff because we have yep. to have these teams or the Sugar Bowl. So here's the thing. Let's talk about this game. It um, when you look at UConn, what they can do. When I look at Bill Connolly's, they're defensive and offensive radar yikes that's not it's 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 narrow it's small when you really want it to be wide like a circle so yep. but let's get to this who uh who should we look out for like i know you're not super high in uconn football they still got a lot improvement to get to bull eligibility because they got like you they have a tough first two games ucf at home at boise state so let's just go with the offense really quick like who is who should be the players you think should be hey this guy might be okay at this team <laughs> Yeah, well, the tough part with the team is they're just really young because Diaco just absolutely left the cupboard bare. So Edsel's basically building this thing from the bottom up. But having said that, they've actually had a couple good running backs. They've got a redshirt fresh, or he he will be a redshirt sophomore, sorry, Nate Hopkins out of Texas. He ran the ball well this year. He was really their lead back for a lot of the year. And then they've also got Kevin Mensa. He's going to be a true sophomore, and he wasn't really recruited out of high school that much because he got into this weird predicament with a Catholic school. They wouldn't let him transfer, so he didn't end up playing football his senior year, and he didn't get any offers because he didn't play. So Edsel kind of took a gamble on him last spring when he came in, and he played as a true freshman. As a true freshman. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he was really good. He's really fast. He's got good vision. The issue with our running backs is our offensive line has been a flat-out disaster for, 
as long as I can remember. So the running backs haven't really had a whole lot of room, but you can see the talent with those two. And luckily, they have pieces on the offensive line that they're really starting to develop. Edsel was talking at the they had a, they're having a coaches road show this week, and he was saying that he's really happy with how the offensive line's coming along. They have two tackles, Matt Pert and Ryan Vandemark, that are both giants. Big. Say it, yeah. giants. Yeah, they're both big. Both of them have played well. Then they've got some interior guys that are going to figure themselves out. So this is hopefully going to be one of the better offensive lines they've had in a few years. They've got a lot of talent at receiver. They've got Herjie Mayala. He was their leading receiver last year. They've got my former uh, co-captain in track, Keon Dixon. He set the school record for receiving yards as a freshman. Then they've got Quavon Skeins, who set the receiving yards or the receptions record as a freshman. So they've got a lot of talent, kind of young and old. There's a lot of different dynamic players, playmakers in that group. And then at tight end, they've got Tyler Davis. But for some ungodly reason, UConn hasn't used their tight ends despite having them for years. And people are always screaming about use the tight end. So. I don't really know how much he's going to make an impact in the game. So they have talent in the offense. It's really just the offensive line that's an issue. And then, obviously, the big thing is quarterback. They've got David Pindell. He's projected to be the starter. He was a Juco transfer last year. He started the first game against Holy Cross and really didn't do anything on offense. He got benched in favor of Bryant Sheriffs, who was our starter for the two years prior. And Sheriffs came back helped him beat FCS Holy Cross, and he really held on to that starting spot up until he started dealing with some injuries later in the year, and he ultimately retired midseason because he's just been destroyed playing football, playing quarterback for UConn football. So Pindell played the last few games. He's been hot and cold. He's very mobile. That's his thing. And his throwing's a little hit or miss. He doesn't throw with the laces. I don't think I've ever heard of a quarterback that doesn't throw on the laces, but we're playing BC at Fenway and it's pouring rain and he can't hit the target. And it's like, oh, I wonder why you can't hit the guy. It's it probably because it's slipping out of your hand. Hold the ball a little. That's what's there for <laughs> for grip. Oh, that's that's, that's so, an interesting tidbit there. And um, the biggest thing about the offense is we got a huge loss. We lost our offensive coordinator, Rhett Lashley, to SMU. Rhett Lashley was the offensive coordinator at Auburn for three years, and he just up and decided to come to UConn. One of <laughs> okay. the biggest, one of the biggest mysteries in college football, and I don't really think that's an exaggeration. Auburn's one of the best football schools in the country. UConn is UConn. <laughs> it wasn't during a coaching switch, was it, with Auburn? No, they still have Melzahn there. Interesting. So yeah. huh. I. I still don't really understand that. He took a huge pay cut. Yeah. I'm not surprised he leaves. He left. We also lost our offensive line coach, um, who was also a big Southerner. The funny part about that, we had like three Southerners on staff, and all three of them left. And it just happened. The news that it came out that they were leaving every single time was when it was snowing, like a big <laughs> storm. Without fail, it was fantastic. But they lost Lashley, and he really revived the offense. They went from unwatchable football, where, to give you an idea of the Bob Diaco offense, when they made a bowl in 2015, they beat Tulane in a game 7-3, to 
and their only touchdown in that game was an interception returned for a touchdown. Oh. That's how bad the offense was under Diaco. So he made a huge difference. They brought in John Dunn. He's never been an offensive coordinator, but he worked with the Colts. He's worked with the Bears. So Edsel's really high on him. I don't. I was a little disappointed they didn't get anybody with experience, but what can you really do? So I think that offensive coordinator is going to hinge on a lot, and really just the offensive line and the quarterback. Um, yeah, so there's some question marks on this offense. <laughs> yeah, looking at the line, like career starts, damn guys who've played a lot. Like I always make this comparison. Like if your team wasn't very good, yeah, you have all these guys who played ten, eight to fourteen games the year before, whatever, maybe eight to twelve games. It's talent coming back, which is always good. But if the talent wasn't great, how optimistic can you be? Even though, like, look at some of these offensive linemen. 30, 30 career starts, 21 career starts, 12 career starts. That's a good number, but at some point you got to be good. And I'm just looking at the size. Like, these guys could play forward for the UConn basketball team, it seems like. 6'7", six, 6'6". Six, six, six. Well, maybe not four. But you know what I mean? Like, these are huge <laughs> offensive linemen. The well, NBA, 6'7", 3'10", and, like, 6'3", 3'16". Like, holy crap. Just yeah, push the guy over. Was... He should be running the ball quite well with the guys of this size. That was Bob Diaco's thing. He would just recruit these monsters that either one didn't have football talent or two he wouldn't coach him he he would mm. he literally told the press one time that he wouldn't coach the offense he would just go over make sure things were going well and then go and coach the defense and see that's fine if you've got a really good offensive coordinator mm-hmm. but he hired a guy whose only claim to fame as a offensive coach was he was the offensive line coach like on Emmett Smith like Smith's like record breaking season or something he was a horrible offensive coordinator had no business being there ah, Bob yeah, Diak gives me headaches I get it like if you're a defensive coach or offensive coach like I'm pretty sure Mike Leach doesn't care too much about the defense <laughs> but I'm pretty sure he knows what's going on and can help out if need be for some sort of something like and, and if and if you didn't do that you wouldn't go out and say hey I, I'm just going to do the offense and not worry about, or vice versa. In this case, Diaco going defense to offense. Never say that up publicly. It's like your football. I get it. some coaches they specialize or really good at certain position groups or units overall in offense or defense. But you got to know what's going on on the other side of the ball. Even if you're not the great schematic guy or whatever, that's just not your greatest skill set. Because coaches tend to lean one way or the other. But it's like, come on, you gotta. You don't say that, and you should know at least a little bit what's going on. It's. Like, I covered BYU forever. Like, Bronco Mendenhall, defensive coach, he would coach the offensive line sometimes. Like, he would take a position group and coach that area, whether it be for him to help him out to grow or just, hey, I'm going to coach the receivers this year. Co- I mean, coach the linebackers. It's He'll pick something that's a little bit not out of his comfort zone, but he'll still work on both sides of the ball. It's like, come on, you can't. Just don't say it. You know what I mean? It's like, if that's the case, don't say <laughs> yeah. it. It's, it's like, I have trust in these guys. I Like, here's the – if you want some tip on how to say stuff like that, hey, I trust my OC. I don't meddle too much. They keep me informed of what's going on. Stuff like that are the good keywords, buzzwords you want to use where it's really saying, I don't care about offense at all. You handle it. But just say I'm involved. They keep me updated and stuff like that. It's like, come on, coach. You got to you gotta learn, right? <laughs> yeah, he wasn't he wasn't a great hire there. <laughs> so let's go to defense really quick. Defense looks oof. to be uh, – <laughs> I hear the oof when you lose – what is it? Um, eight of your t- almost every starter looks like your top four linebackers, top four defensive tackles. Uh, best looks like your top two, two of the top four DBs are gone. So, 
Diago yep. coached defense, but is the defense all gone? <laughs> well, uh, the front seven was kind of keeping them in games, I say in quotes. The secondary was just an unmitigated disaster last year. It was so bad. They got torched game and game again. And really a big issue with that was the corners. I mean, Jamar Summers was phenomenal as a sophomore, and he just seemed to get worse as his career went on. It was really weird. But they got torched by Holy Cross's FCS quarterback, they couldn't stop Virginia to save their lives. East Carolina put up 41. East Carolina. I know. Memphis dropped 70 on them, and they really didn't ever attempt to stop Memphis. I mean, they just got lit up in that secondary. And Edsel's biggest thing was that he didn't really have a lot of bodies back there. He really tried to put him in position to succeed, but he had to burn a lot of red shirts simply because they needed the players because there weren't a whole lot of guys back there. Diaco didn't recruit well back there none of his i don't think any of his db recruits are even still with the program at this point which he was only it's only been one season since he was here so that's not (laughs) something you want to see so they definitely have some talent back there tyler coyle omar fort i think is going to be a really good player but they just need time to develop and I think they'll take another step this year, but they lost a couple guys to transfer. So then you lose guys that played like 12 games last year as true freshmen that had some talent, and now you got to replace those guys with more true freshmen. They recruited a ton of defensive backs this year. That was a big focus in the recruiting class because they just need the bodies back there. And then, yeah, in the front seven, they pretty much lost everything. They lost Foley Fadukasi, who was drafted by the Jets. They lost Luke Carrizola, who was one of their better linebacker defensive end hybrids. They lost Cole Ormsby, who was one of their defensive ends. Junior Joseph was a linebacker. So just like what they did with the the secondary last year, they're going to be sticking in true freshmen or sophomores Really not that many upperclassmen are going to be going in there. So what the secondary was last year, it's going to be hard not to see that front seven being similar this year. And I just really don't see how this unit can produce a whole lot this year. They're just going to be so young, so inexperienced, and still just really having to build up that talent level. Big thing about Edsel, he's been comparing what he had in the program when he left in terms of bench press reps and 40 times and I don't know what the numbers are exactly but it was a certain threshold on the 40 times he had x amount of players and it's about half that now and then same thing with best bench presses it's about half what he had when he left so just building up those physical attributes is something else that he's had to work on so I'm looking through like who's who who he has recruited was there a reason why he went young and no like Juco's to come in because I, I assume he's Edsel not to put the early word like, oh, he's going to be losing a job because they're winning three or four games the first couple of years, five games. But cause he has a credit build up for what he did before. What is he just thinking big picture to why go for like those true freshmen instead of getting maybe a handful of Jugos? Especially like you mentioned, they lost most of their defense. They're returning, what, 20%, 30% of their production last year, 40%. So yeah. I'm wondering why. I, I know you don't want to do what maybe. Snyder does at K-State or certain schools where it's all JUCOs all the time, but you'd think maybe 
when you lose so many players, bring in a couple. So is it just he's looking big picture and hopefully to build from the ground up and in 2019 have something where he's competing for well above bowl, bowl eligibility? Yeah, I mean, he knows that quick fixes aren't going to work. I mean, it's like your entire pipe bursts and you're trying to stick scotch tape on it. <laughs> like, it, it's not going to work, and he knows that just building it is going to work. They did bring in a grad transfer from Miami, Ryan Fines. So it's not like he's intentionally staying away from it, but it's really just more beneficial to the program if he's sticking those young guys in there and letting them learn by fire because that's what he did the first time. I mean, the first couple of years of FC or of FBS, they were terrible, but it was all young guys. I mean, Dan Orlovsky, the best quarterback in school history by a wide margin, was pretty bad his first two years, but he played all four years, and he became one of the best quarterbacks in the country as a junior and senior. So it's that type of thing. He's just really developing the players, and that's what he does best. I mean, you look back at some of the players that have gone to the NFL from UConn, very few of them were highly recruited. It's a lot of two-star recruits. It's a lot of unranked recruits. He's really good at finding talent and developing them to levels that are really good college players and sometimes good players in the NFL. I mean, a good example is Darius Butler, cornerback for the Colts. He's been in the NFL for a long time, second-round pick. He wasn't very highly recruited, but Edsel still took him, developed him. I mean, they called him the Toast Twins. Him and, uh, I can't think of the other guy off the top of my head, Tyvon Branch, who's been in the league for a really long time, was with the Cardinals recently. They were the Toast Twins early because they got beat so much, but they both ended up being high draft picks. So he really just wants to develop them. And if there's a Juco in there, that means these young guys aren't going to play. And he really just believes in getting out there and playing is the best way to develop them. No, no, that makes sense. I was just curious because I assume he figures he can hang around for a while and not have to worry about in two years be gone unless it just really goes terrible so it goes south. So yeah, with this game in week two, what is your expectation of going to Boise State to like a team will probably probably be top 20, I'm assuming, top at least top 25 <laughs> when the season gets going. Their win probability is very low. So if you're going to – what would you tell the UConn fans who are going to Boise if they were somehow or some reason want to travel west to this game? Oh, I'm jealous of them. They get to see the blue turf up tight, up there's, close. There's that. Yeah, decent It'll view, be really the mountain cool. view. That's always nice from the stadium. Yeah, uh, get some potatoes. Um, check one of those colored turfs off your bucket list. I was just at Coastal Carolina. They got the teal turf. They do. Yeah. Um, if I have to talk about football at some point, uh, let's see. How could this go well? Well, they start with the defending national champions. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> then you've also got the conflict game. So it's really a two-sided thing. So they sh- if they're pretty amped up for that, and maybe they're a lot better than I'm saying they are, maybe they <laughs> run into one in the home opener against UCF, and they kind of just roll into Boise, and they're feeling confident, and they play well. But jokes aside, ah, they're going to get killed. They're going to get killed. It's kind of the same thing I asked when I talked to the guys from Bucky's fifth quarter. Like, hey, what should they do, Lobos fans? Because that game's not going to be close either. So we talked about tailgating, hanging out with fans. So if you're going to travel, I would say this. Go to tailgate. Go hang out. Go to – is is there five guys out there on the East Coast with you, I'm assuming? Yeah. That's what I figured. Um, Why am I saying that? Duh, obviously. Um, (laughs) I believe there's an In-N-Out in Boise. You can check that out. 
Ooh. Maybe. I am lucky. Where I live here in Utah, I have within miles in and out Chick-fil-A, <laughs> five guys, and I believe a steak shack somewhere within 10 miles of me. Damn, you're living. I'm living the good life. And I can avoid Chipotle any stop because I hate it. I'm I'm a Moe's guy. Don't worry. A Mo- what's that? Oh, you don't have Moe's? It's, no. Uh, it's basically the competitor to Chipotle out here. Okay. My favorite burrito place, besides these, because um, there's a decent Hispanic population here in Utah, there's all these, um, they're not hole in the walls. They look like they are, but they're called like Albertos, Betos, Ray Betos, where you just get the best breakfast burrito any time of day. Oh. So that that's risky if you eat them all the time. But you do that. But also, one of my other favorites from Texas is their Freebirds now here in Utah. Which never heard of that. It, it was pretty small, Texas A and M, and then it like exploded to like Houston, Austin, Dallas, San Antonio. There's a couple in Utah. There's a couple in California. But it's it's really good. It's um, I guess it's just like if you think of Chipotle, if you want to think about that, it's a similar setup, but actually good food. Oh okay. <laughs> it's no, like it it's won't... a similar style to that, but way better. And it so, won't give you E. coli. Never had E. coli once. Eating uh, free Freebirds. Oh, good to know. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> but getting back on football a little bit. Okay, I guess we have UConn, to. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I don't I don't want to do it either, but, you well, know. You're talking about ham. Have you heard about my ham takes? No, but I – wait, uh, maybe, but I need a refresher. Hit me with them. How do you like do, – first off, do you like ham or do you not like ham? Uh, I think it's – I mean, like, I like it when it's, like, cooked for, like, a, like, like a Thanksgiving or a Christmas-type ham. Okay. But I don't really like it on a sandwich. Okay, I contend there's no such thing as good ham. I mean, I, I'm not going to, like, fight you over that. Thank you. That's my point. Like, I'll have a ham sandwich, like, or a mix, like, if you go to, like, Jimmy John's or Subway. If there's ham, turkey, pastrami, whatever, that's okay. But, like, eating a ham, like, a Christmas ham, I'll eat it. Like, it, I guess my favorite one would be a pineapple glaze because that's pretty good, I think. But people t- try to tell me it's, like, a great food. I'm like, it's there. I'll eat it, but it's not like great food. Now, if you say mac and cheese is bad, I'm going to fight you. But, like, I don't have that, like, I don't know. It, it's ham. Yeah, that's um, my point. It's like, what? it's there. <laughs> it, it, parts of it, it's, it's, I think it's so hard to cook as well to get it just right. Yeah, because it's it got to be, be super dry if it's wrong mm-hmm. or chewy if it's, like, undercooked. Tell me how criminal this is. I know someone that puts ketchup on mac and cheese. Um, excuse me. How old? How old is this person? Is this not a two-year-old? Nope. This is a twenty-year-old. <sighs> they need to live and eat more. I agree. I will say that's... this: mac and cheese. Like my kid has like the craft. I'm like that's not the best, but I'll go out and have like Gouda mac and cheese or bacon sprinkles, stuff like that. Various type of gorgonzola mixed in mac and cheese, more of an exotic cheese type stuff. If it's just plain mac and cheese, it's okay. But I'd rather have like add more flavor to it. Is that acceptable? Well... Yeah, no, I'm fine with that. Okay. Well, Yukon's famous for our jalapeno mac and cheese. Oh, that sounds so good. Have you ever um, heard of Mac and Cheese Kid? I have not. What is it? Oh, we got famous a couple of years ago. There was this kid that came in drunk. Oh, to late yes. Night. Oh, no, I do. Okay, yes. <laughs> Can we all the mac and cheese? <laughs> to catch the listeners up that may not know, there was a kid <laughs> that came in drunk to the union. Someone got it on video, and he had a full-scale meltdown because they did not have jalapeno mac and cheese meltdown and it's one of the few things yukon is like nationally known for and it's kind of sad even but more so the, than women's basketball being dominant forever no that's one of the good things yeah. we have oh, I thought you said, oh i thought you said it was a good thing to be known for I'm like wait a minute 
No, it's definitely not. But the best part of that story is, remember last or uh, two years ago, there was all that clown drama going on. Yeah, clowns with pickaxes or machetes or whatever in the woods. <laughs> yeah, so I'm at UConn, and there's reports that there there's clowns on campus. Wait, you're not going to out yourself as a killer clown, are you? No, don't yeah, worry. Thank you. I'm a clown killer. We'll get to that. <laughs> so we're there's reports around campus that there's clowns on campus and, like, different spots. So I get back to my room, and me and my roommate are sitting looking out the window, and swear to God, there's – kids streaming out of our dorms carrying hockey sticks baseball bats field hockey sticks anything that they can use to swing and they are streaming so i look at my roommate and you go you want to go clown hunting and he goes absolutely we jump out start running out our ra's like where are you guys going we're like clown hunting he's like that's a terrible idea there's police everyone and we're like shut up jeremy we kept going we so we like run down and there's a group coming at us and they're like, we heard the clowns up there. And we're like, well, we heard the clown was over here. So my dorm was right next to this big cemetery. So we all walk up to the cemetery and someone's like, I heard it was in the cemetery. So someone was like, right. <laughs> all right. So hundreds of kids go streaming into the cemetery. It ended up being nothing. But the, the ultimate thing of the story that I was going at was that, that happened on the exact same night one year later as Mac and Cheese Kid. Meant to be. Unfortunately, nothing happened on that night this year, and I was oh. pretty disappointed. What, what's the anniversary date of that so we can look forward and maybe mark our calendar? Um, UConn Mac and Cheese Kid. Let's look it up. Google machine to the rescue, right? October 7th. All right, October 7th. So let's see what happens in 2019. Anywhere. It could be anywhere. Give us a good story for anybody who has something in uh, as the leaves start to turn color in most of the country. So um, one last note here because this is probably the most fun podcast I've done in a while. So <laughs> just because when it's it's fun to go off topic because that's what we do. That's what I do here during the offseason. You can't. You can't talk about UConn football that long. No. So exactly. We're about 30 minutes here. So. Um, one last note here. What would be a acceptable result for you to say, okay, that I'm okay with that, or your promised or promising result of this game when you're on the road at Boise State? Okay. Let's see what happened last year. Um, keep it under 70 points. Okay. Check one. Let's get into the double digits of points. I thought you were going to say total yards there for a minute. No. <laughs> and, um, all right, what are things we often do a lot? Let's not fumble on the first possession. Okay. Let's not miss extra points. Mm-hmm. And let's keep it respectable for, let's go two quarters. Two quarters of respectable football, and then it can go downhill from there. I'm fine with that. I'll sign up for that. Okay. Under so- 70 points, double-digit points, respectable for two quarters. Extra points are good, not fumbling on the first possession. So and, what, what and tell- no embarrassing mistakes. Okay, so what are you telling me is sixty-eight to fourteen is okay? Because uh, under seventy okay, I- and fourteen points means you make both those PATs. Actually, can I go <laughs> under sixty points? Okay, that's fair. I think that's respectable. I'd rather put the most ridiculous outcome out there that was within your parameters. Yeah, no, that's fair. Um, if we're gonna be up in the upper sixties, we gotta go sixty-nine points. Of course, that's. That's more acceptable. Obviously. <laughs> All right, so we'll see what happens. Uh, what is your overall real quick? Because I'm looking at the win percentage total from S&P Plus. It doesn't look too promising. They are favored in their one game versus Rhode Island. 
Hey, Ram Napping Trophy. There's a trophy that's for a, that game too? Oh, man, that's a whole nother story. But to give you the TLDR, uh, they were a huge rival when we were FCS for yeah. a, for years and years. And one and the, they're the Rhode Island Rams. So one time, some frat kids from Yukon drove out to Rhode Island, stole Rhode Island's live mascot the night before the game. As you and, do. And drove back to Yukon. And then it became a tradition to go steal Rhode Island's Ram. So they made a trophy out of it and called it the Ram Napping Trophy. Amazing. Which, which still exists in our sports museum. That could... My other favorite trophy, now hearing that's up there, was the... Uh, I always get it wrong. The Hawaiian Cowboy Trophy when Hawaii plays Wyoming. It's the Paul... I think it's the Palaleo Trophy. That one's pretty good, but Ram Nappy might be number one. Yeah, it's... UConn football doesn't have a whole lot of history, but that's one of the fun parts of it. Hey, man, you forced a conflict on somebody, so there's that. The conflict is... I <laughs> Honestly, as stupid as it was, I'll go down on this hill that it was actually a good idea. I would say it's a good idea because it made people talk about it, even how ridiculous and odd it was. Yeah, people still talk about it. Did Every it? single year, UConn football plays UCF. People are going to be talking about that game. And it wasn't last year UCF just left it somewhere. No, that was two years ago. That was Diaco's last year. They left it on the sideline <laughs> in the rain. And that's that was the exact point where the season fell apart. I'm not even kidding you. They didn't win a game after that point. Ooh, that's uh, Take care of that conflict trophy, right? Oh, yeah. If you have, Apparently, it still exists. I've heard it still exists, and I want that thing. All right. Well, we'll see. week one maybe, or is that week? Ze- no, that's week one, nope. not week zero. That's week so. one. I right, so I forget. We get a handful of those week zero games, which are creeping up all the time. <laughs> so, all right. I think we're good here. Thank you for talking mac and cheese, killer clowns, uh, sprinkling UConn <laughs> football, and whatever we talked about pre-show. I can't mention here because I'm not going to because I forgot. So go check out the Utah, the yeah, not Utah, the UConnBlog.com. Check out uh, Daniel, of course, on Twitter, Daniel V Connolly for. What do you tweet about mostly? Baseball's almost over, right? Is that done for you? For yeah, un- unfortunately. I was really tweeting about UConn football or UConn baseball a lot there. I'm pretty sad that season's over. Um, this summer, what are you going to get? You're probably going to get some a lot of soccer tweets. Portland, Go Portland Timbers, Galway United. You're going to be getting general UConn tweets. And then when it gets closer to August, the women's soccer tweets are going to fire up. UConn oh, women's right. soccer is entertaining. A lot of soccer you do. Didn't BYU women's soccer play UConn recently? Because I used to actually board run the soccer matches for BYU women's soccer. Didn't they play a couple years ago? Uh, not in the two years I've been covering them, as far as I know. But my history before then is pretty weak. So That's so random. I just I... happened to bring it up because I used to take naps during those games. Just because. <laughs> Here's the reason why. It's like besides soccer being continuous, forty-five minutes each half, we just basically picked up the IMG feed. I just go flip the switch. And make sure they don't go off air. It was a good two-hour rest. So just curious. I, there you go. I do remember some soccer tweets for, for from you. So I was just like, well, maybe. But Oh, yeah. There's there's plenty of soccer tweets. All right. So don't that's, worry. Okay. Keep, keep an eye on all that good stuff for, for Daniel V. Connolly. Maybe some Nevada tweets mixed in here and there because you used to scribe about the Wolfpack every now and then. Also, can we make sure people know it's Wolfpack two words? Because I know it's going to be a million NC State Wolfpack. And the big in the I believe the big lead already started that with the uh, Wolfpack one word. So get the word out, everybody. It's two words. Two words. So that just like Cincinnati blew a two zero point lead oh, in the NCAA tournament. Had to bring that up, which is perfectly fine. We made T shirts to commemorate it for so <laughs> You'll also get a lot of anti Cincinnati tweets. I've had articles written about me at Cincinnati blogs. Good job. That's the way that's how you get it known, right? 
that's one way to put it. That's one way. <laughs> All right, so I think we're good to wrap it up here. So, again, check out theuconblog.com. Thanks, everyone, listening to this uh, preview of sorts. We're going to do a bunch of these in the books. Already happened. Some are coming forward. So check us out, mwr.com. Also, iTunes, Stitcher, tune in. Wherever you can buy good podcasts for free, that's where we're at. So check us out there and review it. And <laughs> see you next time, folks.